Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. Uh, this is going to be our Barcelona test rundown for the pre-season track session for Formula One's 2022 season. Uh, I'm Freddie Coates, and I'm joined by Alan Dickinson and Nigel Chu to talk you through everything, well, as much as we know that's gone on from Barcelona testing and set up the Bahrain test in a couple of weeks' time and everything that's going on with F1 at the moment. But first of all, we should, of course, talk about all the horrific um, news that's come out of Ukraine at the moment um, and the knock-on effect it's had on the Formula One community. Now, it's no surprise to you guys the news that's gone on, which is that um, Vladimir Putin and Russia have illegally invaded Ukraine. Um, it's an act of wanton violence that just comes as a hangover of one man's um as Sebastian Vettel said, mad leadership and hearkening back to a defunct Soviet Union. And I think I speak for the other two for um, in condemning every every action that's gone on with this and in speaking for a huge amount of sympathy for every civilian in Ukraine, every military member in Ukraine who have lost their lives in this just horrific act of aggression that seems completely pointless and stupid. Um, and to everyone in Russia protesting against it is, and in Ukraine protesting against it, and across the world, that's incredibly brave. And yeah, I think we stand with them against uh, the aggression. Um, naturally, with this being such a global event and with Formula One being such a global sport, this has spilled over into the Formula One bubble, if you will. Formula One likes to kind of keep itself distant from this kind of thing. Um, from politics is not meant to be in sport, but as we know, politics and sport go hand in hand and this cannot really be escaped. Um, naturally, Haas F1 team has a very, very close relationship with the elite in Russia in that Nikita Mazepin's drive is essentially funded from sponsorship from Uralkali. Uh, their parent company, Uralchem, owned by Dmitry Mazepin, who is one of the essentially top 30 business people in Russia. Um, as of the day, the Friday of the test, the, the not even 24 hours after um, Russia's offensive officially began in non-Russia recognized Ukraine, non-previously um, sort of coordinated Ukraine in uh, from Russian forces um, has have attempted to, 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 to distance themselves from any relation to this. They've removed all Uralkali branding from their car, removed this pseudo-Russian flag stripes that were across the car for all of 2021 and the start of 2022 testing. And currently there is a lot of flux about really the survival of the team and about their financial situations with their Eurocoli sponsors and for their driver, Nikita Mazepin. Um, with Mazepin's drive coming from this funding, if they're not able to, if they want to distance themselves from the sponsor, then they distance themselves from the driver. That comes hand in hand. But also sanctions being put in place by international governments realistically mean that Nikita Mazepin will only be allowed into two or three countries across the year um, regarding visa requirements. Um, so... There is a lot to come for Haas. They're going to deal with all of the legal ramifications as best they can over the coming couple of weeks. And um, really, we wish them the best at this difficult time for them and wish the best to everyone who works on that team who have been through the mill these past couple of years with, frankly, a necessity to survive. And we wish them all the best. And we're pretty sure F1 is not going to let them down and they're going to be supported through this situation and we expect to see Haas on the grid um, throughout the year, of course, because if there's any time to support that team, that's now. Um, naturally, as well, the Russian Grand Prix has been swiftly cooled off for 2022. Um, that would have been the last race in Sochi anyway. So if there is any return to the Russian Grand Prix from 2023, which contractually there is reason to believe there could be, but that's nothing really to be considering now um, in the global situation. The 2022 Russian Grand Prix will not go ahead in September. And that's essentially it um, from that front. We're not going to discuss any sort of 
silly season antics now. Who could take the Hass seat or which track could replace Sochi uh, at that kind of slot, just because we feel that's relatively insensitive at the moment. Um, so we're not going to discuss that. We're just going to discuss the test and talk about Formula One as an entity and Formula One as a, com as a competition um, as best we can and try and try and enjoy it in this uncomfortable global scenario at the moment. But yes, of course, everyone in Ukraine, our heart goes out to you. And we know it means nothing to say that, but genuinely, it's a really scary world. And we're really thinking about you and we wish you all the best. Um, it's, so, yeah. I think you've done a fantastic job summing that up. It's, it, it's I don't know, kind of un, unbelievable in some ways to be seeing kind of what's on the TV screens and what's on um, on the news right now. But yeah, there's kind of incredible stories of bravery going on and kind of incredibly tragic stories going on as well. And it kind of feels weird to be discussing sport and sports kind of relation to that at a time where it's kind of so minor but yeah I think that's you know you've done a fantastic job summing us up and um in kind of the best thing we can do is just discuss the test and discuss what's what's been going on separately from from Ukraine yeah absolutely fantastic introduction there really 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 like every word pretty much every word you said I, I can concur with that uh just like Adam said, it's you know, for F1, you've got to put sport on the side, almost, and politics is coming first in this in this scenario. And yeah, it's just it's just difficult. And obviously, coming off the back of COVID as well and the pandemic, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's not the best world out world right there out the world. It's not the best world out there right now. Uh, hopefully, people listening to this uh, want to hear about the F1 test and uh, we can give you in 50 minutes or six, 60 minutes of, uh, yeah, I guess just to take you away from whether you're working or, or, or doing whatever, uh, yeah. Exactly that. Let's let's have a light release for an hour just to chat about, about cars going around circles in Spain. Why not? It's, it's, it's something we all enjoy, something we all love and have loved for a, a long time and will love for a, a long time to come and let's let's just enjoy enjoy that so without further ado let's talk about the first test of the 2022 f1 season and straight away i'm going to go go and talk about how much i love looking at all of these cars um i'm sure you guys will have seen um all the pictures coming out of the test yes it's a closed test but that hasn't stopped anyone from realizing how unbelievable 2022 formula one looks on track i i i think we tried on our last podcast to kind of have a vague sort of ranking of liveries and just kind of give opinions of what we thought was best and so on looking at them all on track obviously barring the um the alfa romeo which is still yet to be officially launched but with its kind of arctic camo livery i think they all look pretty mega these 2022 cars just i mean I mean, wow! I think it's fantastic, uh, Nigel. What's what, how? How's 2022 F1 sat with you so far? It's sitting pretty well, I have to say. I mean, after the Ferrari launch, I thought the Ferrari itself was one of the best-looking cars this century. I think whole grid kind of backs up backs up that that point where I don't think from since I've been watching F1 and you guys have been watching F1, I don't think I've seen better-looking cars ever. Uh, that's quite incredible considering in the last few years we've had the halo the cars have got wider the tyres have got bigger but even with these big bigger tyres I think the cars look fantastic so if the racing and the competition can match that then yeah it's going to be one hell of a, of, of a season yeah it's it's yeah it, it's just kind of they look kind of classic and modern at the same time I think kind of so especially the Red Bull kind of reminds me of kind of 2007 2008 cars when I started watching but then they've also just seemed so more so much more advanced than that I think they they look fantastic and you know when when we're seeing them all going out you know being able to watch them you know live in anger and racing 
together I think they'll look even better but for the moment you know it's not a bad not a bad starting point and this is gonna be probably a contentious question for you guys because I know I don't have an answer for it but what's your favorite on track I know we had seen renders and stuff prior but on track what what car stood out to you the most and made you think oh, wow I, I love Formula One Adam I'll come to you first I know you just said the Red Bull but is that going to be your answer the- the, the Mercedes with the fluoro paint on was um, just because I took a second to be like, what? I didn't know like a lollipop was running in the race and then it, it's not, it's a Mercedes with fluoro paint. But yeah, I think oh, it, it's either the Red Bull or the Ferrari. I think the Ferrari looks very good and it looks very classic and classy. Um, so I'll probably, probably say that. Um, yeah, one of those two. Nigel? Yeah, still a Ferrari for me. Uh, I think I said it after the launch, I stand by it now with this album. 2022 well. World Champions. <laughs> I did, yeah, I said that as well. <laughs> I still stand by that. Uh, well, no, I think the, so some of the other teams, the Mercedes, the Red Bull, the Aston Martin, the Williams as well, mm. they look all fantastic. So, yeah, we've got a brilliant set of, a brilliant set of, look, of looking cars uh, this year. I think personally, I've been pleasantly surprised by the Alpha Tauri. I thought that I think that looks a lot better than I thought it would. But I mean, the Ferrari just looks like something we've never seen before. And that's just unbelievable to me. I absolutely love that. I think we're all going to sound like broken records this season in our adoration of that car. Um, now, really, uh, straight away, pretty early on in this test, we, we got the word of arguably 2022 when it comes to Formula One cars. And that is porpoising, or as Nigel told me, he thought it was porpoising, um, which is spelled like that. <laughs> which is an aerodynamic phenomenon that appears to have been a ground effect. Um, little, little, little hiccup in the road that people didn't really expect, but has also been also expected apparently. Um, Nigel. Do you want to put your aerodynamics hat on and give us your crude <laughs> explanation of popoising? I'll do exactly that, Freddie. Uh, so it's basically a sudden change in the airflow, which causes the car to bounce up and down like a kangaroo, which we've seen all, all, all over social media. Like Freddie said, it's because of the ground effect uh, with the cars being sucked down to the ground. But then when they're hitting these high speeds, uh, the car is almost trying to drag itself away from, from the ground. Uh, so that's why it's bouncing up and down. And the easy fix is to raise the ride height. But of course, if you do that, it'll cost you performance, you'll lose lap time, and it'll affect everything else uh, from, from the front of the car to the back. So I'd be interested to see if F1 decides to do anything with this, whether they think it's safe. But yeah, it's a topic that certainly has gathered more and more momentum as the test has, 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 has gone on. It, um, it has caused a little bit of a headache for pretty much every F1 team. George Russell did say at its worst, it could be a safety concern. So this is going to be a topic that runs and runs probably for the next few years, not just this season, not just the start of this season. So likelihood is as we get to various tracks particularly bumpy tracks i can imagine going to azerbaijan and baku this year that this Mm. is going to be huge as that is a street track with immense speed um but um really this looks like it's going to be a tricky headache for the engineers but would you say that that's just a challenge of new regulations adam yeah i think so it's it kind of seems to come about kind of maybe predictably with the lack lack of on-track testing it's you know a lot of wind tunnel testing a lot of simulation testing and then you get out onto track and you see something like that which you know they either didn't expect or didn't expect to be this bad and if you look at some of the videos like um i can't remember if it's today's or yesterday's test but of charles leclerc kind of you know it's really vigorous bouncing it's not you know it's not kind of <laughs> to be taken lightly really but yeah it's you know it is it's, it's a challenge and that's kind of what, you know, it, it's a challenge at the highest level and that's kind of what F1 teams are built to to solve. So, you know, I I imagine for the season they'll be, um, you know, kind of compromising compromising on, on setup between, you know, comfort and safety and performance with poor poising and we'll just have to see, you know, see how we get, you know, if we turn up to Australia and there's a load of kangaroo cars bouncing down the straight, but... Who knows? It's yeah, a big problem with... now. 
But I think the teams will find a way around it and I think it'll become less and less of a topic as the season goes on, I think. Yeah, teams will find a way around this. I mean, along with um, raising the right height, as you said, Nigel, I mean, stiffening the cars as well can also sort this out because it forces the car to essentially stay stay in the position they want it to, which is difficult on a bumpy track, but the majority of tracks we go to these days are smooth as anything. And um, there's been a lot of resurfacing as in recent years. Um, on top of that, though, one of the main issues with the porpoising and sort of forcing a car to, to not porpoise is... Um, is sort of the 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 effect the the road will have on the car, and there's been a few a few um, teams that have been alluding to the fact that maybe these cars are going to get what the planks on the bottom of the car is going to get worn down so much that they'll end up being essentially running illegal and could get disqualified at the end of the race. So who knows? Maybe this would be a huge topic in that regard, or maybe they'll just have very beefed up planks on the bottom of the car. Who knows? I mean, and apparently a few of the teams are running overweight as is, so I doubt they'll want to do that, but. It's going to run for a few races, definitely. And um, we just thought we'd address that head on in this testing, in this first testing product podcast, because there's a chance we'll reference it later down the line as we go on to the first winners of the winners and losers section of Formula One 2022. Woo! Yeah, hooray. Yeah. 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 So, winners of the test, and not just because they have the best livery. Ferrari, Nigel, why Ferrari have a good why Ferrari have had a good test? Give us the rundown of them testing now. Yay, go. Well, they've deep, deep down updated question. the engine again through the, through, they've updated the engine again through the winter. They've not had any problems at all, uh, which is unlike any of well, some of the other teams in Alpine have issues, uh, Aston Martin as well. So Ferrari have had probably along with McLaren the smoothest test so far and that's what the first test is all about you want to get mileage you want to get laps not really too much about the lap times and Ferrari ran pretty much trouble free uh, so I think they'll be pretty happy with how things have gone yes they are still playing things down and saying Mercedes are ahead but I think Ferrari are definitely going to be in the mix somewhere yeah, they've definitely yeah. had a very good test. Adam? Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, it's kind of the the balance of analysing testing times and seeing, you know, thinking how much teams are showing their hand and whatever. But regardless of that, they're getting a lot of laps in and they're, you know, they have been at the top, especially the first two days, they were near the top or at the top of the timesheet. So, yeah, it's, you know, with the obvious caveat, you know, it's they from everything we've seen, and they're looking, you know, looking pretty good, and everything we can analyze. Then they seem to have it have it about them. So it's good times for Ferrari, and good looking times as well. George Russell said at the end of the second day that a red car and an orange car look better than them. He's already yes. learned the Mercedes lesson of saying that they are the worst car on the grid. But the orange yeah. car, he's alluding he said to, it is. Must be. <laughs> Yeah, the orange car he's alluding to is McLaren, who also had a relatively good test. No, really? Yeah, it's McLaren. Not the other orange car. (laughs) No, it's not that little bit of the rebel, if you look at it slightly wrong. Um, Did he he not say the orange (laughs) and blue car, just to clarify? No, he didn't. He was very rude. Um, George. But yes, the orange McLaren, papaya, as he should say, the fool. um, Not on brand. No, he's not on brand for the team he doesn't drive for. He needs um, to torpedo their brands. He needs to worsen it. Of course, he's going to say orange. Yes, as their rival, he's not going to get any of their branding tips right. But anyway, uh, naturally, George is right. The McLaren have had a good test. They have they wanted to play it down a bit. Lando Norris went fastest on day one and immediately said, "I don't want to be fastest for goodness' sake." He didn't. He didn't. It didn't go well for him when Daniel Ricciardo topped the morning session of the next day either. But anyway. Um, Apparently, the, um, from, from better eyes than me, because I've not been there, but people who've been in Barcelona have said that McLaren looks absolutely fantastic in the changing direction and in the high speed, which is where these cars make up their time, the high speed. So McLaren seems to be one to watch as well. Nigel, do you buy this or do you think McLaren have had one or two glory runs? No, I do buy it. And I think the other thing I'll add to the change of direction is the, they are the team who I've heard the least about uh, who have who've had the poor person, 
to win it right that time. Uh, <laughs> issues that I've not. I think every other team, every team is is having a problem with it. But McLaren seem to be having making the best of it at the moment, at least. So that could help them, particularly at the start of the season. And I think I think it's quite clear that there's four teams who are going to be at the front in some kind of order. Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes, and McLaren is the fourth one. Now, whether the one, two, three, or four, we don't know. But I think that's just split in the pecking order at the moment. And just like Ferrari, uh, apart from Norris causing the red flag on the first day, I think it was, uh, when he stopped at the end of the pit lane. Was that a red flag? He might have just stopped at the end. Of the I think he just stopped. Yeah. yeah, I think. Apart from that, they've had no problems, problems as well. So mm. very similar uh, tests for Ferrari and McLaren. Yeah, it's all, all looking good. There's kind of not not too much more to add. I think you summed it up very well. But again, like like we said with Ferrari, they're getting getting laps in. They've been getting around 100 or over 100 um, for most of the days. And yeah, that's kind of, you know, all we can really uh, look at. I think they're in a strong position. Definitely, definitely. They, they both have, they both definitely both have been talked of in the same mindset as, Rebel and Mercedes, as you said, Nigel, which is very refreshing to see. If it is just for the next couple of weeks, that's still going to be quite nice um, because, of course, we are very used to talking about front runners who aren't front runners after these kind of tests. Um, that's just the way of the world. Um, another team who really, on in terms of on-track performance, are down as a winner are the Haas team. They were very, very obviously the team who developed the 2022 car from the earliest point, they openly admitted they weren't going to develop their 2021 car because what was the point when they wouldn't, they would probably gain on only Alfa Romeo if they had a good day. So Haas unveiled their official 2022 car, completely different to the renders they released uh, prior to the season's test starting. And it looks really nice and it's run pretty nicely as well when they've got out on track. It's been a fairly, fairly unreliable with a few parts breaking the odd oil leak as well. But when it's been on track, it seems to have been relatively tidy and seems to have been definitely vaulting them back up into the midfield where really this team belong. Nigel, you you impressed with, with the running we've seen from the American team? I wouldn't say impressed because I think they had to make this step forward. And okay. Because if they didn't, then clearly something had gone wrong uh, since they put everything into this year. Uh, the not running on the final day in the afternoon, that'll be, it's not the best way to end the first test for them. But like you said, Freddie, uh, when they were on track, they did look much, much better. So I think they've got a car which the drivers will be, will find easier to drive, easier to set up perhaps. I think that'll put them in, 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 in a good place, I think. I think it's hard to say who's the slowest team, but feel like Haas are not going to be last this year. And, you know, that's a big uh, positive, you know, straight away. Yeah, I think the the first day of the test, you know, they kind of wasn't wasn't as great. They got, I think, 40-odd laps in, which, you know, isn't fantastic. But they've been kind of improving as they've gone along, and particularly day two, they were strong. So, yeah, it's, I think, like you said, it's kind of hard to identify a slowest team. Um, but like like we said on the preview, um, I think just with Haas, it's, they've not got kind of the, the stellar driver lineup to kind of, I guess, rely on. So they, I think the car needs to be up there. And it's shown signs that it can be if they can get it, you know, together and moving for an extended period of time, which, you know, I think we all hope they can and kind of put themselves in, in the fight at the top. But I think that's, that's to me where the biggest question mark is. Yeah, it's definitely the most one of the most developed cars on in the field at the moment. And yes. Whether there's more in the pipeline to come for that with the second test, the B spec cars that always seem to sort of pop up these days, who knows? But they really do have sort of the most sort of un unique little flicks and tricks to it. For instance, this nice little, um, the nice little sort of strakes on the side of the front wing. They're the only ones who seem to have anything a bit different to that. They have a nice little kind of not the kind of sort of engine cover top weird funnel thing i don't know if we've given it a word yet but let's coin something for it now um the 
the sort of canopyism of it. I don't know. Um, the canopyism on top of that, which isn't word I've claimed. Um, I just liked it as an era, as a car. It just looked nice, in my opinion. I think mostly because I was surprised by it. But anyway, um, are there any other teams you are going to put in the category of winner of this first test? Adam, I'm going to come to you first because I've come to Nigel first quite a few times. Yeah. No, I... caught you out. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think probably the obvious... I mean, Red Bull, you know, seem to have turned it with a very fast car. And, I, you know, I still... Still think they might be holding things back. I mean, they seem to have gone a bit quicker today on day three than they had in the previous two days. And um, I still think they've got something in reserve. And the question is, are Mercedes in the same boat? Because they, you know, as as you said before, George Russell um, did the the age-old Mercedes. We're not the fastest. There were, you know, 18 faster than us, quote. But, you know, today... Um, Lewis went went fastest at the end of the session and looked pretty good at the end of that. So it's whether whether they're kind of showing everything or not. Yet. Yeah. But you know, broadly speaking, both of those two expected front runners are looking pretty good. Yeah, I think I think Mercedes and Red Bull kind of hit back on the final day. Uh, yeah. Ferrari probably had the best tests up until then. Yeah. But then Red Bull when the strapping in the morning, he looked very good on the C three tire. I think it was. Uh, and then Russell and Halton go fastest in the morning and, and afternoon sessions. So, as expected, they've not done uh, a 2008 where Ferrari and McLaren drop back. Mercedes and Red Bull are still going to be at the sharp end of the grid. And for Mercedes to go fastest in testing as well is it's not unusual, but usually it's usually ominous. Because, yeah, <laughs> that, that famous O word uh, yeah. that everyone uses during testing. Uh, but usually, you know, if, if, you, if you look at last year, how far behind they were, they were, they were in testing, yet they won the first race. So for them to go fastest, I know we shouldn't look at lap times, but it suggests that they've found something perhaps on the final day. Uh, and it's looking pretty good uh, for them. They've all been experimenting Just, with different kind of little gills on the back for cooling and everything. And who knows, maybe they've got a bit more confidence as the test has gone on, which is completely understandable. But they're the they're the biggest B-spec rumours of any team. So who knows? It's the classic. Don't make any sound judgments on anything because testing. So don't nah, think, don't listen to us. But do you've probably got half an hour left. Listen to that. And but think while don't. you're listening to us as well. Just one more. Do you think you could put Aston in a winners? I know they've not. Um, I know they've had a few more gremlins today on day three, but you know their their times have been up there and they're getting again getting the laps in. They kind of seem to, you know, it seems to have been a solid test. Although I don't know whether you can have five winners because that's half the group. But anyway, I agree. It's been steady. Steady. Well, it yes. has to be. They've had a few problems, but when they have been out on track, they've looked pretty good. Uh, yeah. Mm. You know, to last year, they've looked much better so similar to Haas I, I wouldn't really say Haas is a winner I'd say it's like a sub-winner and I think I'd have Aston Martin in that category as well I think just thinking think about it now I'd put Alpha Tauri above both of them I mean I know until we expect Gasly a lot crashed. until Gasly crashed but I mean the performance <laughs> performance wise I'd have them up yeah. there um yeah. I mean I know we expect a lot from Alpha Tauri particularly from Gasly's performances last year which were very good um if if occasional for a few of them. Sean Connery on the podcast. <laughs> um God, I hope not. Um anyway, <laughs> um I think I think we could see some very nice performance from Alpha Tari as well. Dep- depending on how that card develops, we don't know whether they're a hit ground running team or not. They tend to be kind of half on the development side, but um Yeah. I think I, I, think I, I maybe, like I like them. <laughs> yeah, uh, I so do I. I think I guess maybe uh, Aston's maybe been a bit more of a pleasant surprise, I'd say, than uh, I, I kind of expected Alpha Tari to be, um, you know, to be doing well. But uh, yeah, with with Aston, obviously early days, we don't know anything yet. But I think, you know, it seems to be a pleasantly optimistic test. Although I think last year, did it? I think last year their test started well and then kind of didn't stay like that. So yeah, we don't no, know. It was poor. It was poor. I think. I think Alpha Tauri, the one problem they have is I feel 
especially with the Honda engine, they perhaps push it more to to help Red Bull to see if it, if there are problems and stuff like that. I think we saw that last year with Sonoda going very fast as well. So yeah. if out, out of all of the teams, they might be showing their hands the most. That okay. might put them on the back foot, perhaps. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the only thing. But still, they've had a pretty good test until Gasly crashed. <laughs> yeah, until Gasly crashed. Um, but <laughs> obviously, talking about winners means we need to move on to the more depressing topic of the losers, losers, losers. But we have sympathy. Yeah. We, we like everyone. We're not going to say that. Um, but the first loser we have written on the planning doc um, is loser Alpine, um, Alpine F1 team. Um, of course, we we haven't spoken about Alpine, Alpine F1 team, um, after since their launch. So we'll give a quick wow. Blue and pink, and then pink for the first two races, but also two liveries. But what? But they leaked one of them, but it was the wrong one, but it was the right one. Wow. But anyway, now we've cleared that up. Um, we're going to talk about their test, which has been a little bit disappointing. They haven't run DRS at all for the whole thing. Their speed trap figures have been weird. They're the only team running the Renault engine, so we don't know if they're just running it really low or if the Renault engine's really bad. It's been the first complete re- aggressive redesign since the V6 turbo hybrid era began. And it all went up in smoke on the final day, which isn't exactly amazing. Um, so yeah, Alpine have been a bit after being a bit asking, leaving a lot to be desired. That's the phrase. Mm-hmm. And that's a bit unfortunate, wouldn't you say, boys? I'd yeah, I'd say having an engine go like that and having all that smoke isn't ideal. Um, just on on the livery, I was talking to um, one of my French, the French franchise here in Oklahoma, and we're both F1 fans. And I said, Oh, what do you think of the, the Alpine livery? And he goes, oh, It's okay, but blue and pinky sheet. And then that, was his, that was his analysis of it, which I thought summed it up pretty well. Um, not, I think it's taken a step back in terms of aesthetics from last season. But yeah, it's, mm, I don't. Um, it's, it's, yeah, not, yeah, it's kind of, it's been, it's been disappointing. I think if you, I don't know, comparing them to to Aston, maybe their closest closest competitors, and I think I'd say Aston's had a better, um, or the two runs they've had a worse um, testing than than Aston. It kind of just doesn't. It's not all come together for them at all, really. And you know, the kind of positive is that they've got you know good drivers in the team, and they can make the most of a back package. But it's yeah, like you say, it's not been fantastic. They've not been put in together. You know what they need to, especially today. I think the first two days were actually okay because it what they had a new engine and everything was going all right for Alonso and Docon. It's just the final day of that massive blow up. It kind of suggests that the first two days they had the engine on a low power mode and they and then they turned it up a little bit or or by you know X amount and it can't take it, which is really not a good sign. And we've not seen an engine blow up that big. Or quite well, quite some time. I mean, it literally was up in absolute you know, smoke everywhere. So not ideal. Uh, and pace-wise as well, not having DRS is really difficult to read where they are if they are close to the front or the back. So there's a lot of question marks around Alpine at the moment, but not a lot of. They haven't given me much confidence compared to say the top four teams, uh, and I think. That's not good for a team that put a lot of effort into this year. Yeah, I think. So just I th- yeah, no, I, th- I, I think so. I mean, it's the kind of, you know, like like you said, the engine blow up has kind of gone out of the lexicon a bit of, you know, you're kind of not talking about, oh, it might happen. You know, it's it, especially when we started watching F1 and obviously before that as well, it was kind of, you know, it felt like any given weekend it could happen to any given driver, but it's kind of, you know, they've, Sure, sort of a bit more, and like you say, it's the biggest blow scene in a while. Freddie, yeah, no, I'm just going to agree with Nigel. It hasn't really given me much confidence, which is a shame because I like them as a team. I think it's it's nice, and Ocon and Alonso is was a very fun lineup last year, and I kind of wanted to. See, I think they both of them earned the kind of team performance 
step up that this year could have brought and it just from their performances as drivers but unfortunately it doesn't seem to have been um transitioning they've aimed their aim is fifth which for a manufacturer in their sixth or seventh year since sort of official manufacturerness and the second rules redid redesign based in that era isn't exactly um the best opportunity for them they should be aiming higher but obviously the formula one competitive order has been incredibly stagnant recently um so maybe aiming for fifth now is a bit better than aiming for um second in two or three years but um that's what it always feels like a team that could have its funding pulled at any minute um which is a bit when, when they said that when this oh sorry for when they said that they targeted fifth i found that really disappointing yeah, totally, totally. They've been working on this car for three years because they decided that they wanted to go with these new regs rather than, rather than building a new car in 2020, I think it was, after the 2019 car uh, wasn't, didn't hit their expectations. So for that to happen, and for a team like this, it's just underwhelming, I think is the word I'd use. Yeah, I, I agree. I think especially with that driver lineup. If they put, you know, just a half decent package out there, they should really be fifth. Like, you know, that's what happened last season. I don't I think like fifth should be kind of the minimum for for them really. So yeah, it's yeah, like you said, it's not it's not that, you know, ambitious. So yes, that's Alpine. Um Another loser from this test in our eyes is disappointingly Alfa Romeo, a team who could have used this opportunity to kind of jump up the order. They spoke a lot at the end of last season about having hangovers in their team structure and team car based on financial instability in 2016 and 17 when they were when the last regulation change occurred and that they were just struggling to come back from that. And now in the budget cap era, they hope they would be able to. But with their all-new look driver lineup with Valtteri Bottas and Guan Yu Zhou, um, they really struggled to get just out the garage. Unfortunately for them, they've had so many reliability woes, little parts breaking, um, electrical, just niggles, frankly. And it's just been a bit of a messy operation, unfortunately, from them. Um, They haven't really been able to get into a stride with the test. And it feels like this could be a, to me, it feels like this could be a theme for the season. Does that ring true for you guys? Or do you think there's still roads to, to improve and come back? Nigel? I think I think the problem they've had, all test, is we talked about McLaren uh, having the least problems with the porpoising. I think Alpha, Alpha have the opposite problem where they are having a lot of problems. And I think the floor, I think they've had to change it quite, quite often, which has cost them track time. Because uh, the car just can't handle the jumping, so I mean, that is the biggest problem they've had, and that's why they've run, they've had so little, so little little track time. So you could say, on one hand, they know the problem, they can fix it, but it's just not what you want for the first test. Because as we said, the first test is all about laps and mileage, and Alpha are at the bottom in those, you know. In those areas. So, uh, as of as of today, Hassa lowered them because they didn't. They ran nine laps on the final day. To oh, be yeah. fair, but they've only yeah. just with a with a fairly decent amount of running on the final day. Alfa Romeo have only just really cleared Hass on mileage. They're on something like 800, and 800 odd kilometers. And to put them into perspective, Ferrari are north of two thousand, but Ferrari are way clear. But that's a big difference. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just the porpoising which has affected them the most. That's what that's, 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 that's how I see it. Yeah, I. It, it's just one of those. It's you know they they can fix the problems, but it's you know it's it's problems that the other teams are more on top of already. So they're going in, going in, and they're already a step behind or three steps behind everyone, and it just you know. Again, with the driver lineup, you feel they need to have a good, you know, quite a high base to be competitive and, you know, be kind of pushing into the top 10 regularly. And they've not got that so far. And, you know, it just already feels like they're going to be running behind for, you know, the first period of the season. Obviously, you know, it's a, it's a long season and things can change, but it's, you know, it's, it's just 
already looking like it could be a you know another season of kind of obscurity for them. And the problem is the stuff that they were that they were gonna do in this first test, they're now gonna have to do Bahrain while while everyone else is trying to you know do performance lap times. So they really are on the back foot and it's gonna be difficult to make up for this lost time. On on the positive side of it though, their rookie driver Guan Yu Zhou appears to have been fairly positive and has had some fairly nice uh, feedback settling in with the team. Um, he's not looking out of place as a Formula One driver, in my opinion. What What do you guys think of his debut test as a fully fledged Formula One driver, Adam? Yeah, he's had a few more problems with the car. Or, you know, his car has had a few more problems um, today. But yeah, you know, he's been he's been there. There's um, yeah, he he didn't run on the first day. I believe they had Kubica in, and then. Um, yeah, the second day he looks looked pretty good, and today's been a bit more restricted. So it's a small sample size, but yeah, he um, you know he seems seems to be all right there. He's done a fair amount with his links, especially Alpine. He's done a fair amount of kind of you know driving F1 cars um, up to this point. So he's probably one of the more um, you know kind of if if we disregard kind of uh, junior series clout in terms of you know time in the car, he's probably one of the more um, race ready or f1 ready drivers to step up so yeah it's kind of you know looking i'd say looking uh you know conservatively positive but as i say small sample size we still got you know i'd, I'd like to see a bit more before uh coming to a big conclusion on that yeah, i think sense. i think it's, it's made very very good first steps i mean the worst thing any new f1 driver can do is crash make a silly mistake or spin and he's not done any of those things and you know we should we can't really look at pace that much but it's not like he's three four seconds behind everyone else you know he's right there so he's looking good at the moment uh we'll just have to see how he goes when we get to a race weekend yeah fingers crossed for him because i think you know he's had a, he had a bit of a a rough reaction to his formula one uh drive selection from Alfa Romeo um, but I think we all wish him the best unfair I agree I think he's he's definitely a competitive driver and I think he can definitely be competitive in Formula 1 so hopefully um, we're proven right on that and hopefully he, he um, performs well I think we've all got, we're all in his corner um, as you'd expect from she- Sheffield alum as well yeah Sheffield <laughs> alum which makes him even more in our corner um, because we're Sheffield biased Um but yeah, really, we've just got to, um, we've come really to the end of our talk on this test, but we've just got to re-emphasise, we know nothing, we know nothing, we don't know anything, we know what tyres the times well, were, we don't know if they're fully fueled or if they're no fueled, we don't know what's a glory run and what's a unhappy run, I don't know what the opposite of a glory <laughs> run is. Um, unglorious. Unglorious run. Um, and... Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Every year we think something from testing and it's wrong or it's right. Who knows? It's all a lie. Ignore what I you've think, just heard. Nigel, I think tell one them what not to listen is, to. As because of one talking point is I don't think anyone as well, no one's done a brawl where it was clear early on that they've done something bad. So we can say that. Yeah, yeah. Think, sorry. It looks like no one is gonna really dominate. Yes, Mercedes are one two. But it really does feel like at least one of Red Bull, Ferrari or McLaren will be there to challenge. I think between those four teams, those are going to be the four teams at the front. It's just, are they all going to be close or is one team going to have that slight edge? Uh, So I think that's what we can conclude that we've got those four teams, then everyone else. Yeah, I I was, that was kind of going to be my major takeaway is that there is... (laughs) No, oh no, it's fine. You know, someone's someone's got to have one. Um, no team looks like they've really kind of pulled a flyer. Or I think, you know, I, I'm optimistic that things will be will be pretty close. I think it'll be closer than they were in 2014. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, obviously teams will be holding stuff back. And you know, I think, I think particularly Mercedes and Red Bull as we said at the top of the show, you know, maybe we're still to see though, you know, their true colours or their true capabilities. But, you know, I, I think, I think there, there's, um, 
reason to be optimistic that things will be pretty close. Yeah, I agree. Reason to be optimistic, definitely. And I think, yeah, so that's um, moving on to sort of our main takeaways, Adam, obviously you alluded to yours there. But I think um, for me, definitely optimism about the season. I think it's very easy to get excited for for Formula One from testing and it's definitely worked for me this year. Um, and I'm really looking forward to Bahrain test. Um, Nigel, what's going to be your takeaway? Is it going to, are you going to talk about uh, anyone's performance, what you want to see, what you think's gone well? I think away from the front of the field, I think Williams have had a very pos- positive test as well, more so, or just as much as Haas and Aston, who we mentioned before. Uh, I think both drivers got up to speed really quickly, so I think that's an important aspect because it suggests a car is easy to, to, to drive. And they haven't had many problems as well. So I think they're going to be somewhere in the midfield. I mean, <clears throat> if they can uh, battle for points consistently, that would be a fantastic result for them. But I think Williams should be pretty positive uh, as well. And yeah, I mentioned that just to mention, uh, just, so, so, just so that we've mentioned all 10 teams in this, in, in this, in this podcast. Yeah, great point. Um, I think, I think for me, that's incredibly true. Williams have done very nicely. And I think really a lot of what is there for Williams is only way is up. But um, I think that's where they're heading. Um, so I think we can pass that as a, a tick for um, that team. And to be honest, just one thing to say on that car, it looks a lot better on track than it did anywhere else, in my opinion. And this is the second year running that I've had this with Williams where the car looks, well, third year, actually, because if you count 2020's testing only car, where I thought it looks good or it looks all right. And then you see it in person, you're like, oh, I like that. Um, and that's exactly what I think about that car. I, I was actually going to say the opposite. I thought it looked oh, a no. bit better in the, in the studio shots. Or oh. it looked good at Silverstone in the rain when they test it. But I, I don't know. I, I don't, I've not been as big a fan of it um, this test but you know it's the that's pretty low down on the list of priorities and <laughs> the top of it is how they run and they've been running pretty well and both drivers have been doing okay especially Albon in his return to sport so yeah again reason to be positive. Adam I know um, Nigel took your final takeaway earlier but have you come up with a more final takeaway? Um, no there's you know <laughs> there's only room for there's only room for one final takeaway and when when your takeaway is as final as mine was then that's just the way things are i think i think my final point is another one third for nigel (laughs) i've been joined sorry adam i've been joined carl launches we would mention it as well is that you know everyone's got different designs and the red i mean it just looks absolutely crazy yeah i mean when i saw that for the first time it was almost scary. It was just so, so aggressive. It was incredible. Uh, that was Adam's opening yeah. point, actually, interestingly. Um, your yeah. final takeaway is Adam's opening point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, hopefully we've got a competitive field and if we can have different designs uh, that produce the same lap times, uh, then what more can we ask for? Totally. What more can we ask for? And I think we've definitely got... Um, We've definitely got a good season on our hands. Um, we've got a lot more coming up in F1. There isn't testing until uh, the 10th of March. So we've got two weeks or so, um, more or less, until that test three day, final three days of testing kicks off. That will be broadcast live on uh, Sky F1 or your um, provider. F1 TV. F1 TV, basically. Um, and it'll be a Sky F1 TV joint production, as was in, as it has been in the past couple of years. And similarly, you'll have wrap-ups on the end of the day. And we'll be, we'll be talking about it on our social channels and previewing and reviewing said test as we then move into the Bahrain Grand Prix, which is in about three weeks' time for the first Grand Prix of the season. And if there's anything to live up to from last year's race, if it's going to re- replicate that in any way, we'll be jumping up and down like there's no tomorrow um obviously there's a lot to come for that test we're going to have b-spec cars all over the plot all over the shop uh merc and alpine are rumored already to be bringing cars which have a few more 
plugging and play parts on them more so than they've had in this test which has seemed to be the test more than ever that i can remember where they've just put on different bits to the cars anyway just like oh whatever let's give it a go um which seems to be even with different philosophies all over the place they seem to be correlating with each other um what are you guys looking forward to in the next week of f1 news what do you think is going to happen anything or you just think it's just going to be just hype well, I, you know, the obvious thing is how the Ukraine development affects Haas, which we spoke about at the top of the show. So it's not, you know, I'm not looking forward to it, but I think, mm. to be honest, I think that will be the main the main dominant news, really. Um, yeah, sorry to put kind of down on the end of the show. But yeah, I think oh. that will be, that's that's I what think. I see. Maybe not, maybe, uh, maybe. No, I, I think you're right, Adam. Uh, but I think testing-wise, we're going to hear a lot about you know, how big are the upgrades are we gonna that, that the teams are bringing? Are we gonna get B spec cars and stuff like that? And then it's just about seeing who has got those upgrades in in, in two weeks' time. Uh, so I think that'll be the key, really. Mm. Yeah, entirely. From an F1 perspective, it's going to be um, keeping an eye <laughs> on rumors galore. Um, but you're you're right, Adam. As you say, it is we should really go full circle to end this pod and again send out our best to everyone in ukraine in the incredibly difficult situation uh over there and anywhere in the world which seems to be on the brink of a bit of disaster who's struggling with this kind of situation obviously our thoughts go out to you and we wish you all the best in this time but um thank you very much for listening to this podcast we hope it's been for the most part a nice little nice little release if you've got all the way through and that you've um you're using f1 as a bit of a a bit of fun in a way that all three of us certainly are it's a it's a it it's coming back at just the right time for me personally if i'm if i don't want to sound too flippant or anything with anything i say but it's definitely um nice to have it back and hopefully you'll be able to join us again to discuss the upcoming test in bahrain the test in bahrain and eventually the 2022 Formula One season. So thank you very much, everybody. All the best. Look after yourselves. Take care. Goodbye. Bye.